Welcome to Falcons on Air, the podcast run by the Alabamian. My name is Wesley Hyde. Here with me today are Noah Wortham and Zoe Hall. This is being recorded February 19th. Here are some new articles from our latest release. For our news section, we have Montevallo to Open New Businesses by Katie and Abnett, discussing the plans for eight more businesses coming in this year. In our lifestyle section, I have an album review for Weezer's 14th studio album, OK Human. And in our opinion section, I wrote about why we need Black History Month. If you're interested in buying an ad with Alabamian in print or in digital form, like on this podcast or our website, please contact me, Zoe Hall, our editor-in-chief, or email us at alabamian at montevallo.edu. So, of course, the uh, big news story this week is the winter weather going on. So, how, how was y'all's experience with that going? So, we had a delay Monday, right? And hmm. then... Tuesday was canceled. I was a little surprised that the university like made a decision so early because usually they wait until the last minute because Alabama's weather is very unpredictable. However, I was actually very surprised to see snow. I think the last time Montevallo saw snow was the snowpocalypse back in 2014, but I saw the snow and then I it kind of melted after about an hour or two. Mm-hmm. But you drove to work. I did. Uh, I had to drive up there at like five in the morning, so it's dark. Oh no! I drove really. I had to drive really slow, and I was kind of worried the whole time. And when I got to work, we were unloading the truck for the store. The truck driver left. We had to wander around trying to find the paperwork for the truck, and it was snowing the whole time. So we had to figure out how to make the loading dock not covered in ice. Yikes. Eventually used cat litter for that. That was fun. Do you have any experiences with this cold weather, Noah? My mom woke me up to help her walk the dogs. So I had to go outside and see the snow. It's like, oh, this is nice. And then um, after walking the dogs, I kind of just went back to sleep and woke up. And when I woke up, it was mostly melted. Then we had to try to find somewhere to eat that day. And a lot of places were closed, even though the snow was basically gone by the afternoon well i know that there were some places that like the power wasn't um not that their power was out but the it was a little finicky um my friend works in hoover and they sent her home Mm. early on monday though they aren't the only ones without power like almost all of texas is without power right now yeah that's it's kind of wild seeing how people reacted to this whole situation because, like, you look on, like, social media and stuff, and if it's talking about, like, obviously people where it's not snowing regularly, they're having wrecks because they don't know how to drive on in that kind of conditions. And people from places where it does snow often are kind of being unforgiving, <laughs> to say, put it in a way. Yeah. Kind of being like, you're just kind of dumb, aren't you? Yeah. Um, for me, this was literally my first time ever even seeing snow. I grew up 20 minutes from the beach, so I'd never seen snow on the ground before. Um, so it, it was, it's very interesting to me that Alabama obviously is not set up in a way that prepares for cold weather like this, uh, like most Southern states. And like, that's 
why it's such a big issue in Texas right now is because obviously they don't have that kind of in- infrastructure. It's Texas. Mm-hmm. And so most of them are kind of just having to deal with what comes. And that that's why also so many people have died. Mm-hmm. Like people are, you know, you mentioned people are getting into wrecks. People are also getting like, getting into dangerous situations trying to keep themselves warm in some places do you know any stories or examples um, i saw that there was a couple of cases um i don't know where but there was a couple of cases of people like were trying to use their stoves or like their gas stoves to oh. keep warm which obviously increases your risk for carbon monoxide poisoning amongst other things i've heard of that as well yeah that's right something that is an issue in like more southern states is that a lot of obviously it's not regular for us like the weather so they don't they probably don't factor that in a whole lot when they're planning stuff out like budget wise but at least in the area from around Columbiana to I don't know about all the way to Montevallo but to Calera at least they had some form of preparation for it because they were, of course, driving down and up the roads, put it, putting down something. I saw the trucks out while I was driving home. I, I guess sand or salt or whatever. So it's not that it's they're completely unprepared. They may not just be where they have to be. That's true. But other than that, I haven't heard any local stories about i mean not much has happened in the last week or so because of the weather Mm, that is true um yeah it's a definitely a weird situation to be in because like i said it's not regular conditions i think it's bringing up a lot of conversation in both state and local legislatures about that kind of infrastructure and emergency assistance and preparedness i I also think that it brought up topics like energy, like Mm -hmm. sources. I don't know if it'll necessarily bring more topics up, but I at least, I at least hope it will bring up some kind of dialogue, especially for areas with, like Montevallo doesn't necessarily have like a heavy homeless population, obviously, but um, like we are really close to Birmingham, which does. Mm -hmm. So I hope that they have or at least come up with a certain plan to at least help those populations to not freeze to death. It's it's a difficult thing, though, because you're asking the government to prepare for unforeseen circumstances. You're, yeah. you're telling them to expect the unexpected. So here, we handled it pretty well, but there wasn't much affecting us like there was with that, Texas. Mm-hmm. But meanwhile, we can expect bad weather as in, in terms of, like, wind and rain here. Mm-hmm. Like, remember the tornadoes back in like 2011 or whatever and just then, just this last year with exactly. all the power that went out yes yes exactly that's what i was pointing to like we didn't do the best job of handling that like power power was out for a bit our power was out for a week at my house a week we were out mm-hmm. for i was out for like three or four days okay see i live in columbiana so that it was only like two days maybe um but still like we didn't handle that necessarily the best, and that's kind of something you can expect in Alabama, you might could say, mm-hmm. whereas snow isn't. So, I mean, it's a difficult mm-hmm. thing, you know, having to put tax resources into that and figure out some sort of plan on how to handle this. 
Yeah, it's interesting what you said about expecting them to prepare for the unexpected. Because for me, I didn't grow up with tornadoes. I grew up with hurricanes. Mm -hmm. And most of that issue is not necessarily the rain, um, though that can lead to flooding. It's the wind and um, property damage um, besides the flooding. Um, So, like, we've specifically prepared for that. But whenever we've had, like, tornadoes, we weren't prepared for that. So it's also, like, just a geographical region thing like you said you're you were in Columbiana and they handled it a little bit differently than the like the Montevallo um, city did the only potential solution I could think of would be creating some sort of emergency fund but I'd already be worried I'm already worried myself about government misuse of funds and corruption and stuff like that and you know you'd have to do a good job of delegating resources I know that there are certain cities that do have emergency funds. Um, I think Montevallo, for example, has one. I don't think it's necessarily for, um, like, weather, but I do think that they ended up using it when we had those tornadoes last semester, and so many people um, had property damage, and there was a lot of fallen trees and that kind of thing. All right, so I think that's a good stopping point at the moment. Um so I have something else I wanted to talk about. Lately, I've been looking at tutorials online specifically. I've been trying to learn to draw. So I've been looking all over YouTube, <laughs> trying to figure out which video tutorials were good or not. And it I found a couple of good ones. But um, I was just wondering, do y'all do anything like that? Like... Do you have anything specific that you either did in the past and learned through an online source or maybe use something you're doing now? Yeah, so like a few years ago, I don't know, some point while I was in college, um, I picked up guitar. My dad is an acoustic guitar, and I wanted to learn how to play it, and some of the tips he gave me just weren't quite working, so I looked on YouTube, and I think his name was Marty. There was a YouTuber I found, and he had the series, and I learned a few chords that way. Have you, uh, yeah, have you continued with that, or have you? No, I learned those few chords, and then I just play them by myself, and that that kind of gave me a like a feel for the guitar, and then I just kind of messed around on my own, and then it's just something that I've just kind of, I don't know, I just stopped practicing. Ever maybe ever so often, I'll pick up the guitar and I'll play those chords again a bit. Hmm. Is there anything else? that you've picked up that way or um the only like tutorial-esque thing is like when i was studying for spanish like if i'm working on something sometimes i'll go to youtube if i'm trying to understand i don't know a certain conjugation or something like that like or i'll use like spanish dict or um you know word reference I'll, i'll find some sort of resource to like help me I personally have never learned a skill online. However, I've been recently thinking about picking up a certain, like a certain hobby, like knitting or crocheting, because I, I like to keep busy with my hands, and it'll give me something to do if I'm watching TV or something. Um, but I've had a couple of people actually learn, like an instrument. I know a girl who is self-taught piano because she learned it online. Or like one of my best friends from high school, she actually learned ASL online, which is really cool. Um, she actually learned a lot of it over quarantine 
because got to do something with all that empty time. I think something that is interesting that Noah brought up is the, like, educational, like, uses that you could do. Like, I know when I was doing computer science, um, one day I was just completely lost. They were like, oh, make a... I don't remember exactly what it was, but they're like, make this basic computer. And I was like, I don't know how to do that. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. So I looked it up and this guy had like a five hour video on it. And I sat through the whole thing, slowly figuring it out as I go. I'll do that now if I, uh, now I'm taking a, a, a couple of different classes on how to use like Photoshop and InDesign and some other Adobe products, but mostly those two. And I don't have an experience really with Photoshop at all, but I have found YouTube incredibly helpful. Do you have any like specific like? Um, not really. I've I've found certain channels really helpful. Dep it depends on what I'm trying to do on Photoshop. Um, but there's not a specific YouTuber that I watch for those mm -hmm. purposes. It's not necessarily like a, a typical craft, you might say, but it's still in the vein of hobbies. When I started getting into vinyl records and stuff about that, that's YouTube was like a primary resource I used to learn about like, you know, what kind of records I'm looking for, how do they work, you know, how does the needle work, what, what kind of setup I, I need. So just information like that as well. I mean, whatever hobby you're trying to get into, mm -hmm. there's so many content creators out there. Oh, I've also found it really helpful for uh, people who want to kickstart like a photography business or like um, like making certain things and selling them online. Um, I know a couple of people who have taught themselves how to like do pottery. Personally, I can't um, because that sounds incredibly complicated, but it's super interesting and I think it would be a fun skill to learn. Maybe I'll work my way there. Mm. But YouTube as a resource for that is really helpful because you have so many different options as to what you watch and they all have something to say and you can always learn from a bunch of different people, not just one. Mm -hmm. And then let's say that it's like, you know, some of them, like when I was learning guitar, for instance, the videos are sequential. So like mm -hmm. they're step by steps. So you can go at your own pace. So like I could watch this video and we're focusing on this chord or this chord. And I can practice that, and once I build good with that, I can move on to the next video. So there's also that so part of it. Something I, like, that's a really good thing for me, too. Like, that's kind of how I go. Like, if I'm not, like, learning something, if, if I'm, like, tired for the day, I can just pick it back up wherever they're at. Like, I've been, like, with trying to learn to draw, I've been using this YouTube channel called ProCo. Where they just have like tutorials for like if you want to learn the basics of like art and drawing and stuff watching the channel proco for all that learning and stuff the thing i like about the like the internet has is so useful as a source usually this is stuff you'd have to like buy a book for or something mm -hmm. but they put it out for free even though this is also a company that has paid online courses, they still put their stuff out for free, which is something interesting. I don't think would be available if it wasn't online, you know? 
That's true. Because personally, like I was talking to somebody about this earlier today, actually. I was, and I was like, she was like, do you have any certain hobbies? And I was like, I don't really have necessarily certain hobbies because sometimes it's really hard to figure out a hobby you would enjoy without investing a lot in it. Mm-hmm. And it for college students, it's really hard to invest in something, especially financially, if you know you're not going to enjoy it or if it's going to take a really long time, especially like I, I really do like the fact that I can work at my own pace with a lot of things using YouTube and online um, because sometimes I'll have like a ton of free time and then I won't have free time for like at least a couple of weeks and but then I can pick it up where I left off. Mm-hmm. But like you can't do that if you're like paying for a course. Another thing that's more funny than like actually useful is the tiers of who is putting out these tutorials because <laughs> you'll either have industry professional doing this for like 20 years or you'll be trying to figure out a problem with your computer and you'll have a 10 year old playing a certain song everybody knows with, with word word documents brought up typing out all the instructions to you <laughs> and it, it's just amazing <laughs> The internet is at our disposal. Is there a certain skill, like you said, you wanted, you, you've been learning drawing. Is there something that you want to do next? Like, um, like do you want to learn how to paint? Or like something else artistic? Because personally, um, I would love to learn how to play an instrument. I just don't know what instrument I would learn how to play. I used to play the trombone when I was in high school. So I think maybe picking up because I don't remember much of it. Maybe if I tried to get back into it, I'd try to use something I found online to try to jog that memory back and refigure it out. But yeah, I think instruments are probably a good one to look for. Um, but yeah, I haven't really thought of anything else, to be honest. I've just been using it for, like I said, classes. Or I guess if... Because sometimes... If you play games on like a computer or something, something will be wrong with what they like the files they have on the store sometimes, especially if the game is old. Yeah. So I'll just that's usually how I figure out how to fix stuff like that is I go online and look it up. Yeah, that, that makes me think of modding tutorials if I'm modding something on on the PC. The same same difference. You have to have all the files and everything has to work correctly. But but when it comes to like learning something new it would either be just picking up guitar again you know just fleshing that out some more or maybe see i've i've like messed around with like the idea of music production um getting music programs you know and synthesizers and um things like that um but i'll like download the app on my phone or i'll do something and i just i never quite carry through with it mm-hmm I think that that would fall really well into your wheelhouse. Yeah. I I think that is a negative of the online tutorials, though, too, where it's like, I can go at my own pace is a benefit of it. You're going at your own pace. So you might one day be like, yeah, I'm really into this, and then tomorrow you're like... It, it, it takes a lot more self-motivation. But yeah, I think stuff like that is really useful. All right, guys. Well, I uh, I think that was a really good discussion.
Yeah, so I'd, I'd like to talk about for a bit. I, I was curious about what you guys are listening to recently, um, music-wise, you know, like, are there any albums or bands you're interested in at the moment? Um, recently on my Spotify Discover, um, I found this interesting band called, I don't know if that's how you pronounce it, Kiltro. It's this Chilean, um, it's labeled as a Chilean American band. They have this really interesting Latin American like style to the sounding music. Um, I don't really know how else to s like describe it. It's kind of poppy sometimes. Sometimes it's more slow and like emotional sounding. A little bit of variety. Yeah. Um, the song that I like to the most from the album I found, which was Creatures of Habit, is called The Drunk. It's actually really lively despite the title. And it, it's a it's a fun listen. It's kind of, it's interesting. Hmm. What about you, Noah? So I have a particular obsession with an album by Slow Dive. It came out in like 93, I think. It's called Suvlaki. And... Uh, the genre is shoegaze, which shoegaze is a uh, subgenre of like alternative rock. And it's called shoegaze because basically there's an extensive use of guitar pedals that warp the guitar's sound to make it sound kind of like ethereal and psychedelic. And the performers often look at their feet during the performance to mess with the various pedals, hence shoegaze. But anyway, this album Suvlaki just, it's very catchy and entrancing and it's opening track, Allison's like my favorite on the track. It's probably somewhere on my list of top tracks played on Spotify. And um, there's just something very entrancing about the guitar and the sound and the way the vocals and how the mixing, how it all just adds together. Yeah, but that's also because I'm particularly grossed with shoegaze as a genre in general. I haven't been listening to anything particular, but I've been wanting to listen to more Weezer lately and so i was really excited to read your review of okay human because i've listened to some of their older albums which i feel like i enjoy but based off of what you've written i'm not sure how i'm gonna feel about this one because it's a little bit different from what they've previously produced yeah well the thing about okay human is i guess it depends on how you want to define it in a way technically this was my first weezer album i wasn't that familiar with them aside from like you know, Say It Ain't So and like Beverly Hills, like, you know, maybe a few singles. But while I was reviewing the album, I went back and looked at their pr previous material, mainly their first album, mm -hmm. um, which is way more like alternative rock, kind of normal rock pop sound. So yeah, it's definitely different, but you know, although there's this orchestral instrumentation, there's still a Weezer sound, if you will, to it. There's still most tracks have like some sort of catchy hook that you can follow. I think it's really cool how certain artists or groups will, like they'll change up their sound, but it still has that feeling that you know it's them. So it's really interesting because this is, you said it was their 14th studio album. That's a lot of albums. So like after a while, like you don't want it to be repetitive. So you got, you got to mix it up a little. There are some bands that are really good about stuff like that like um a band i particularly like uh red hot chili peppers almost every one of their songs i can go yeah it's them <laughs> that is very true i also very much enjoy them i i wound up in their like 0.5 percentile listeners last year i don't know if that's a good thing <laughs> or a bad thing 
I definitely understand what you mean, though, because, like, any, there are certain artists that if you play one of their songs, you immediately know it's them. So it's also, like, they can mix it up, but you, there's, like, this identity that's in it that's very specific. Yeah, it's, it's, it, there's a lot of bands like that, like, like the Gorillas. I've reviewed mm-hmm. some of their material before for us, and, like, there's a gorilla sound, if you will, that's kind of, like, unusual with Damon Albarn's vocal style vocals. You know, you can, that's especially a recognizable part of any band, right? It's, like, the vocal lead. You can kind of recognize the singer's voice. But, you know, when it comes to that sound and being recognizable, you don't want a band to... You want them to experiment a little, you know, to, mm-hmm. to test the waters, to try to, you know, find, you know, to get a bit better. Because um, you don't want them to necessarily do the same thing over and over again. Because then you end up being, you know, you'll probably hurt your popularity. You'll end up like, I don't know, don't want to hurt anyone's feelings here, but like Imagine Dragons or something, you know. Yeah, I definitely know what you mean. Because it's like, if, you know, people enjoy that specific sound, then you're want to gonna keep doing it but after a while it just gets tired and it loses its popularity because Mm -hmm. music runs on such specific trends a lot of the time Mm -hmm. and at the end of the day i respect the artist that tries to do a new sound and fails more than someone who just gives me the same thing over again repainted you know like like weezer for instance they they kind of left popularity for a bit after the 90s, and they've been trying different things, and, like, I can respect that. I just know one thing. If every song by Red Hot Chili Peppers sounded like Give It Away, I would be very upset. There are very few artists that I think, like, successfully, like, move through different sounds and different genres. Mm -hmm. Like, for me personally, like, Taylor Swift has been in the news so much in, like, the last couple years, mostly because she's put out so much work since quarantine started but a lot of that is also because she has moved so successfully through different genres no matter how you feel about her like you can't really deny that she has successfully done that Mm -hmm. there's also those artists that like that transformation of the sound is actually what puts them into the spotlight um like for instance um don't don't lose them it's a disco band. Name a song. Staying Alive. Bee Gees. The Bee Gees? That, that is it? the Bee Gees. I think it's... Okay. All right. I was listening to Staying Alive like not that long ago. All right. I hope it's the Bee Gees that I'm remembering correctly. If not, I can give you another example. But like, you know, disco came around and they started making disco music and then that spurred them into popularity. I have an example of that. Uh, the band Rainbow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They started out as this old like metal band from like the seventies. They get a little more like regular rock like rocky. And then as soon as the eighties hit, they released this song since you've been gone. It's the most eighties <laughs> thing you've ever heard and it's painful. <laughs> I love that like with uh specific bands and specific artists, like you can all you can always tell like also when the song is produced because there's certain like there's certain songs that like i feel like if i listen to a weezer song from like their first album i'll be like ah yes 90s versus like if i like 
listen to like a song that was made in like 1985 like it gives it has a also a very specific sound that kind of echoes the the specific culture around it there are exceptions to that though i mean there's always exceptions to everything it seems like true there's, there's an album i like um by the fleet foxes helplessness blues it was like maybe 2013 or so they're more of like an, an indie kind of folk band and man that album's a masterpiece but it in a way it has a timeless quality to it like its subject matter is very relevant but it doesn't necessarily go down to the nitty-gritty details of current events it just kind mm -hmm. of talks about like universal ideas last spring i was taking a English course, we talked about specific albums and how a lot of them do reflect certain cultural events, which I think is fascinating. So I think that sometimes when we listen to music, that's why it also brings us such specific nostalgia. Like for my final, I had to talk about a specific album and like tie back to like current events. Um, I really wish I could remember the name of the album, but a lot of it, it was a lot of it centered around like the civil rights movement and I tied it back to a lot of events that have happened in the last couple of years. Like, I really like the fact that a lot of music, that's why music's so enjoyable, is just like all of these albums have basically the same ideas, they just kind of go about it a different way. That, that reminds me of one song, or one band in particular, I already mentioned the Gorillas, I think, because um, they consistently have ever so often at least one or two political songs and so they have a song on their second album, Demon Days, um, on the song Dirty Harry. Mm. Um, there's, there's a line, on, and one of the lyrics in the rap section talks about the war is over, so said the speaker. And so it's like very much tied into the political conflict and the war going on in the Middle East and, and a commentary on Bush. And then they have songs like um, on Plastic Beach talking about like ecological ideas in the environment so you know there's definitely um there's definitely something to the idea of using a song to make some sort of political statement or commentary in the music video for dirty harry he's literally out in the desert yes. in a military mm -hmm. uniform yeah yeah he's got the which helmet which is very not abrupt but very obviously commentary I think there's a certain tastefulness to it that there's there's a difference between making some sort of political statement while still making songs, still making art. Mm -hmm. And then I think there's like some sort of line, there's a distinction there and you don't want to cross that line. It's more the political commentary happens while you're making it more so than you're making it because of the political commentary, right? Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Well, I think that's uh good place to wrap up all right so thank you for joining us for this episode of falcons on air this has been wesley hyde noah wortham and zoe hall again thank you for listening and you have a good one see ya